morning, happy Monday, happy Victory Monday to Dolphins Nation. As always, my name is Brett. On the other end of the tin can and string is Jordan. Jordan, how are we doing today? Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening. Um, it's always great to be talking to you on a Victory Monday. Yes, last night felt really good. Yes, it did. Absolutely 2-0. And Zach Jackson returning from his vacation. So we have our normal producer back. Thank you, Joe, for um, sitting in last week. Uh, speaking of last week, Jordan, I don't know about you, but I thought uh, episode three was the best we've recorded so far. And uh, something unfortunate happened. Yeah, episode three was great. We had great special guests. We had unbelievable stuff. Um, and honestly, all the production that we put into it, all the money we spent on it, um, it's sad to see that go to waste. Um, but the, I heard that Joe destroyed the tapes. I actually think Zach did because we were doing some Gasicki slander. And for anybody who doesn't know, Zach is the biggest Mike Gasicki fan, so he was not there for any of the slander. Um, but yeah, so we weren't able to salvage episode three, which was the recap of the Chargers game. I'm sure everybody knows about it right now, but week one, Dolphins won 36-34 to an amazing game. 24-45-466 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I believe it ended up being the third highest passing yards in opening game history. And we also added Dan Patrick to the list for saying Mike White would win more games for the Miami Dolphins than Tua did. Um, sucks that we lost all that. But real quick before we go into this week, which in a lot of ways I'm more excited for, but we're going to give a little bit more thoughts since no one got to hear it for last week. But real quick, Jordan, what, did, what were your thoughts on the Chargers game? Well, I thought that, I mean, Tua was what everybody wanted him to be. Um, the game was very close to what I had thought it was going to be. Um, I had predicted on our show um, week one that the Dolphins were going to win 33-31. They won 36-34. Um, so I saw a lot of what I expected. Um, it was interesting to see, um, and compared to how we're going to talk about uh, week two, uh, but that Raheem Mostert really struggled um, and put up the exact same stat line this year uh, as he put up last year. I think last year he was at 10 carries um, and 37 yards. This year he was at 11 carries and 37 yards, or vice versa. Um, but it, it was Tua, it was Tyreek. Um, and the interesting difference to me uh, between this year and last year Dolphins uh, was the way they used other guys, Durham Smythe and Alec Ingold, uh, combining uh, for five catches and 78 yards, as I'm doing quick math on the air right now, um, when in this game last year, uh, Gesicki had no catches and no yards. Um, so it, it was interesting to see the speed on the field. Um, and then, you know, for what everybody wants to talk about, the defense and the issues they had, uh, they came up with a big, big stop late in the game. Um, and I think that's going to be the theme we see all year, uh, as we also saw in week two. This defense, while it might seem crazy at times, is going to make stops when you need them to. Yep, and everybody missed it, but we, you and I both talked about how we were underwhelmed by Fangio's game plan last week, how we didn't see a lot of David Long. Uh, there was even concerns that we didn't run the ball enough last week, but we didn't have to because of how Tua was playing and how he was just dicing up. A Chargers defense, which in theory should be a lot better than it is uh and but as you said when we needed to fangio's the force they forced the three and out basically it was four and out but two sacks and then and an intentional grounding now to kind of pivot and go into this week's game 
everything we kind of had concerns about week one, it was the inverse of week two. And unless you lived under a rock last night on Sunday Night Football, Dolphins beat the uh, Patriots 24-17. Score, Jordan, I think was a little closer than the game actually was. Um, Tua had a good game, 21, not a great game, but good game, 21 to 30, 249 yards, a touchdown interception. We'll get into that later. Uh, but the one thing I've learned a lot of people say is with a quarterback, it's not always a great game. It's a great moment. And as great as Tua was last week, I think the two minute drive before the half is just as good because it was a moment where we get the ball late after I believe a field goal. No, we, I forget if it's the field goal or if we punt it, but we drive down the field, get the touchdown when we're getting the ball out of the half. Just one of the best drives I've seen Tua uh, run throughout his time with the Dolphins so far. Yeah, and, and we're two for two right now on drives going into the, the end of the half. Um, and I think that that's key to success uh, with good football teams. I think you see a lot of good football teams and a lot of great quarterbacks, um, Mahomes, Brady, uh, even guys like Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, um, those guys that are successful um, throughout regular seasons uh, are able to put together drives at the end of halves. Now, some of those guys I named struggled to put it together in the playoffs, um, and you can't say anything about Tua in the playoffs because he hasn't been there. Um, but Tua has all of the makings and all of the um, things that you want to see uh, out of elite quarterback play in the regular season. Yep, and we didn't get to see a repeat from Tyree Kill. He only had five catches for 40 yards. Uh, he did have a touchdown. Jalen Waddle, four catches, 86 yards. Unfortunately, he's in concussion protocol, so we'll see how that goes for the week. Uh, but Raheem Mostert, man, 18 carries, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. Can't ask for any more, and really, Dolphins committed to the run. I looked into, looking into the game. Bill Belichick dared us to throw, dared us to take the underneath stuff. And last year, I don't think either McDaniel or Tua would take the underneath stuff. I think they would want to try and push it down the field. But they adjusted really well, and hats off to them. I thought this was a perfect game plan. I actually think for the majority of the game, if not all the game, I can safely say that um, that McDaniel did outcoach Belichick. Yeah, McDaniel came in with a great game plan. Going back to what you said about Tyreek, I think that the difference is, and I said this pretty late in the game, uh, is that this week the game plan didn't stand for Tyreek to go crazy and have a bunch of targets. I mean, he was targeted nine times. Last week he was targeted 15 times. Uh, but this week we were able to run the ball. We ran the ball 10 more times this week, uh, and we were able to run the ball successfully. Um, I think Ahmed came in and had a couple good snaps. I think A-Chain came in and one play got called back, um, but he had a couple good stat snaps. Uh, this game was about Raheem Mostert. I think he was the MVP for the Dolphins, um, and he really ran the ball well. Um, and they showed, just like I said last week, which is gone in the wind, uh, that this is going to be a team that is going to be able to adjust. I think the best thing I saw somebody, it might have been in our Discord um, or on FinHeaven, the largest forum uh, in Miami Dolphins sports talk. Um, it was in one of those places, but somebody said that the best thing that's ever happened to the Dolphins is people forgetting that McDaniel is a run-first coach. Because we have all these weapons, we have all this speed, we're going to open you up, we're going to throw down a field. 
Uh, but we're going to be able to beat you in a bunch of different ways uh, and run the ball because that's what McDaniel wants to do. He wants to control the clock. He wants to have long drives, uh, and he wants to win with power football. Yep, and the one thing I think a lot of people worried about and we've talked about as well is we do not have a good tight end room. Durham Smythe, I'm not the biggest fan of, but he's been a solid target so far this year, and he's been a good lead blocker. Uh, but what you even said as well is you expected Alec Ingold to get more snaps as a tight end, which he is doing. What I was, what we're doing this year early, at least, that I was not expecting, well, somewhat was, is we're getting Eric Ezekanma more involved in the rushing game. He had three rushes again for five yards, so we're getting that in. But what I also wasn't expecting was a lot of two running back looks where we're putting uh, today it was Salvan Ahmed in, and a little bit of a chain in the slot because we saw the little shovel pass, the old West Virginia shovel pass to a chain on the first drive of the game, I believe, to get inside the 10. And that's giving some different looks that I was not really expecting. Again, I was expecting it a little bit with Ezekama. I called him the Mr. Pip version of Debo Samuel's episode one, but they're actually using him a lot more in the backfield, and I like the looks they're getting, and you could visibly see the run looks that the Patriots' defense was getting was actually confusing them. Yeah, and I think you're going to see uh, new wrinkles every week. I don't know how much I loved Ezekama out of the backfield. I think I liked us more in jet sweeps. Um, we ran one with, uh, it was Ahmed, who, which worked really well. Um, and I think I like Izukama playing that. I think if we're going to run him out of the backfield, I'd rather see us just play A-chain um, and use his speed. It was interesting to me to see in both games now, now I know he didn't play week one, but we went to Izukama in the backfield. And this game, we even went to him before we went to A-chain. Um, so it was weird to me. Uh, I love that we're getting him the ball. I love we're getting him the ball um, every game so far. And I look for him if Waddle does miss time, which we hope he doesn't, but if he happens to, um, I think a guy like him is really going to benefit uh, when we need that extra speed on the field. I think you'll see Craycraft. I think you'll see Berrios get more snaps, um, but I think you'll see Izukama have more production if Waddle happens to miss time. Absolutely. And real quick before we continue with the offensive line, which I do want to highlight both for positive and negative. Uh, unfortunately, that's how it's going to be. Just to go back to Tua, uh, I see a lot of people looking at his interception, to me, I wasn't as bugged by it. It was one of the rare times the offensive line got beat real quick, uh, Judon on Austin Jackson, and Tua saw it, and I think he just, he hurried the throw. It was an arm punt. Unfortunately, it was second down. Throw it deep, didn't, got too much air under it. Christian Gonzalez, very athletic, a lot taller than Tyreek Hill, was able, was in the three deep zone, was able to run on and intercept it. Is what it is, didn't hurt us. Uh, I said in the past, when you have an aggressive quarterback like Tua and an aggressive coach like Mike McDaniel, there are going to be some interceptions that people think are bad, but I'm not bugged by it. I'm more bugged by the non-pass interference that was, wasn't was called against Waddle, which was a clear pass interference. Second week in a row, last week it was Barrios, this week it was Waddle. So that is something that have, had me a little salty, but he hit the two big throws when he needed to the... And at the end of the first half to Barrios to get us inside to 10. And then he had a deep, deep throw to Waddle as well, a fade. And loved what I saw from that. Yeah, back to the interception. Um, that's, a, that's something that we definitely have to earmark that we're going to look at as the season goes on. Two weeks in a row, two of his interceptions have been jump balls to shorter receivers against bigger corners. That's, that's easy things that Tua can take away. He needs to learn to throw the ball away. We knew that coming in. 
Uh, he needs to learn how to try to get outside the pocket so that he could throw it away. Um, but he can't be throwing jump balls. I mean, that and just throw it up. We don't have the personnel. Now, it's funny because people always like to talk about switching to and Herbert. If you switch to and Herbert, and we had Keenan Allen, we had Quentin Johnson, we had Mike Williams, we had Gerald Everett, we had Donald Parham. Yeah, then you could probably throw the ball up and hope the guys win jump balls. Two has got to learn to just throw the ball in a spot that either the receiver can get to it with his speed or it's going to nobody. And once he gets there, you'll see those inter interception numbers cut down uh, even more than what they are now, which he's at one a game, um, so it's definitely something to watch. Uh, but I don't think that one a game is going to be sustainable. Um, I think he'll get under that with some easy tweaks that they'll make in this offense. He's doing great with Daryl Bevel. Uh, Mike McDaniel does a great job. And I, I think that this offense is in a great spot right now. Yep, and I work from home, Jordan, so I always have like FS1 and ESPN on during the workday. It was so nice to hear people want to talk talk about the Dolphins and actually want to praise us. There's yeah, nothing, I don't like yeah, that. I don't like it. Fair, but it's nice to hear it, especially when you hear people like Colin Cowherd going, watch the Dolphins. There's always two, three, and sometimes even four people open on every play and saying that Mike McDaniel is playing a different game than everybody else. Like, I don't think people realize how good of a play caller Mike McDaniel is. It's, and I've seen some of the All-22. It is, you're right, it's every play. There's two, three, four people open all the time. And it's one of those things where it's like once everybody gets on the same page, once we get a stronger tight end in the run in the receiving game, once the offensive line is settled down, I think this offense is just going to keep going to another level, and it's already functioning at a very high level already. Yeah, this offense is, and the potential, like you alluded to, is limitless. Um, I love, I don't know if you noticed, the formations when we had essentially Tyreek at tight end. Yep. And we were motioning him out. And we did a lot of motioning. Obviously, that's well known. Everybody's going to talk about it. Um, but the, the motioning is different than a lot that you see. Putting Tyreek at tight end and sending him out and then just completely going to the other side of the field. Like that was all just for show. Uh, but then once you think it's for show and you start watching the other side, well, then we're hitting Barrios up the field. Then we're hitting this guy and that guy. And I want you to go back and watch Braxton Barrios's route. Everybody's saying, oh, that Tua throw. Tua threw a dot. That was a great throw, A+. plus. That was his best throw of the night. No different than the, um, who was it, Tyreek play at the end of the game last week. Uh, that Braxton Barrios, the throw was unbelievable. That route that Braxton Berrios ran, that, that design of coming in, cutting back out, and that, that in-out turning into a wheel, that was beautiful. If that was the play design, that is brilliant by Mike McDaniel. If it's not the play design, that was brilliant by Braxton Berrios. Yeah, it was just a beautiful play. And it's, I don't think I've seen a team run as many fade routes to short receivers as we do. It's something, and it, it's open. And it's something in the past, I'd be like, why are you doing that? And I have no fears this year. Uh, now onto the offensive line, which, again, continues to play at a good level. One that even I thought was is higher than expected. Like I said, Kendall Lamb propaganda, I will do it until he is benched. I think at this point, when you look at Kendall Lamb's play so far, I don't think he's benchable. I think you either move him to left guard when Armstead comes back and bench win who's been good not great or you move him to right tackle where 
Jackson's been solid. He got beat a couple times this game, but the Lamb, even as I as I do the propaganda, is playing at a level I was not expecting. I uh, hate to say this next part. I think Robert Hunt is pricing himself out of the Dolphins play. He is playing at an elite guard level, which is amazing to see. Unfortunately, we're going to get into a point where we can't keep any but everybody, and I think Robert Hunt might be one of those casualties, which is really sad for me. Uh, but it's also not all great, as is, we've seen Connor Williams is elite blocking, but his snap snapping issues have arguably taken points off of a get off the board again for us. Uh, but there was at least two high profile ones, one of which was at the end of the game when we're trying to run the clock down. Yeah, you know, it seems like it might be a weekly thing with Connor, which that's what that's what'll lose you games. But back to Kendall Lamb, would you rather see us take Lamb and kick him inside um or move him to right tackle? I mean, you alluded to those two options. Um so I want part 1, which of those would you rather see? And let's say you kick him to left guard, would you potentially move Win over Austin Jackson to right tackle or if you're sending him to right tackle, would you possibly put Austin Jackson at left guard? I mean, so you have to you have to see how the other pieces um, best fit, and I'm interested to hear what you think. So ideally, we find another center and we move Connor to left guard, and then Lamb to tackle. But at this point, the only options is an undrafted free agent that's on our practice squad or Liam Eikenberg at center, which I don't think anybody's really thrilled with those options right now. But if we're keeping Connor at center, which we'll openly admit the, the snaps are becoming a concern. I'm not fully concerned yet, but it's becoming enough of an issue where it has alarm bells ready. But I would probably say, and I think Jackson's been fairly solid this year, but he's also, he got beat a couple of times. The sack, the, the first sack we gave up this year, it was technically on him, but I think it was more of a covered sack than anything, but he got beat there. And then on the interception, he got beat badly. I think there were a few times last week that you could see he got beat badly. So I think right now, Lamb to right tackle would be the move, and you ride it out with Win Because even though Win was surprisingly graded as our worst offensive lineman per PFF, I think he's been solid enough aside from maybe one or two plays. So my opinion is you would kick Lamb to right tackle at this point. Interesting. I like that. Um, it's interesting to note, and I thought about this during the game, if you could pick two guys that really struggled last night, obviously Sanders struggled. Um, obviously, Connor Williams made a couple bad plays. But it looked like the former Patriots, Isaiah Wynn and Jake Bailey, both had horrible nights for us. Yeah, I didn't notice Wynn as much. Um, I knew he had a bad, I think he had a bad holding call at one point that I think it took off a big A-chain play. It did. Uh, so I did notice that. But I haven't really noticed, noticed Wynn too much. And... It seemed like most of our running plays went to his and Lamb's side. So I'm willing to cut him a little more slack. Uh, Yeah, but to just jump down further down for negatives, I did talk about special teams. And Bailey, Bailey has not impressed me. He had one good good punt. I think it was his only good punt between the two games so far and also preseason. So Bailey definitely struggled for me. And... I know a lot of people on Sanders right now. I won't give Sanders crap for the for, for the block kick. That was just one of those things where you just kind of tip your hat and it's like, okay, Belichick found a loophole, which he always does. Um, he did miss another one. 
Personally, my only complaint about McDaniel yesterday as a coach is even going for the 58-yard field goal. I would have punted it because we know that for for over a year now, Sanders has really struggled with 50-plus yards. Now you're going to 58, a 58-yard field goal, which really, unless your name is Jason Tucker, you're not really confident in. So I'm not going to blame him too much, but I do think it's now time to start thinking about bringing the kicker, a kicker in to work out. Uh, because Sanders, it, it, you also take into account that he missed the extra point last week. It's now becoming a liability. And kickers are funny where when they're on, they're on. But when they start missing, they don't stop missing. You know what I love imagining right now? Jason Tucker, the wide receivers coach for the BC Lions of the CFL, kicking 59-yard field goals for the Baltimore Ravens. Did I say Jason Tucker or did I say Justin Tucker? You definitely said Jason Tucker. It happens. I'll mess up a name every every week. It's no big deal. That's just let's my let's mark it down on the list. The name drop of this episode is Jason Tucker. Happens. Uh, I love it. Everybody's got their thing, and that's mine. So can't complain too much. <laughs> uh, but back to some positives as we're going over to the defense. Um, last week we said we were surprised that David Long didn't play as much. Uh, that was not the case this week, and I think he actually played really well. And we were shocked to see J- Jalen Phillips was out last night, so Van Ginkle moved to the outside backer position. And he played by far his, the best game I've ever seen him play as a Miami Dolphin. Yeah, I think that the Dolphins' defense um, took very personally what had happened to them last week, um, including uh, our man... In the middle, David Long. David Long with one tackle last week, um, I believe, as I reopen uh, my stat line here. Uh, David Long had eight tackles this week. Um, the biggest thing that I talked about that nobody got to hear last week uh, was that worried me about our defense is how many tackles our secondary had. Going back to last week, Javon Holland had 14 tackles. Uh, this week he had 11. He led our team in tackles again. But that's an outlier because Javon Holland plays so much in the box. Last week, Deshaun Elliott had 13 tackles. Cater Kohu had nine tackles. Xavier Howard had six tackles. Justin Bethel had four. Eli Apple had three. This week, you have to go all the way down. Xavier Howard still had six. Eli Apple had six. Deshaun Elliott only had four. What that says to me, Cater Kohu only had four. What that says to me is that their running backs, um, and the, the Patriots ran the ball 25 times which, again, I still don't understand why they didn't run the ball more. Um, They only ran the ball 25 times, and the Dolphins' defense weren't letting them get to the second level, weren't letting them get to even the third level. Um, The Patriots' longest run was a Mac Jones 18-yard run. Um, Stevenson had a 12-yard run, which pretty late in the game, Stevenson started to open it up. But early in the game, uh, we were really stuffing the run. Uh, The Patriots really could use a speedy back, a guy sitting out there, a Kareem Hunt type guy, uh, to come in and, and be a change of pace uh, because Stevenson and Elliott just right now at this time seem very, very similar and are just kind of plodding running backs at this moment. Yeah, and you and I talked last week. We actually expected this. The game kind of went how we, said, we thought. We thought it would be the Patriots would try to speed up the game, run a lot. I think we can both admit they did not run on us like we thought they would. Um, I actually almost came came away impressed with Mac Jones. Almost, I, I'm still not willing to admit he's good. He he paper cut us up and down the field with the dink and dunks, 
But anytime he had to throw deep, he didn't hit it, including easy, easy pick for Xavier and Howard. Uh, Javon Hall. Can we, go, I, can we go back? Time out. Can we go back to the 74% of people in that poll that we saw on Yahoo last week that said Mac Jones was better than Tua? Yeah, I don't know what they were, what they were saying. Like, the only thing I'll say now is watching Mac Jones play reminds me bit of the first two years of Tua just because of the weapons he has where it's like he had to avoid pressure and then make the perfect throw so that's the only comparison I see now but yeah uh, I think Colin Cowherd said today if you look at the Patriots offense it's a night it's a mid-90s early 2000s offense it's nothing but possession guys and power backs it's such an outdated offense now that no matter what you do it just doesn't have the firepower. And that's why I wanted us to punt at the end of the game. Because I believe all the scoring drives came off of short fields for the Patriots. The, their final touchdown may not have. Uh, but the first, I think they, had, they got drives off of the block kick, short punts, etc. So that's why I wanted them to make them drive the length of the field. But you just don't see anybody who scares you. And we saw at the end of the game... Love Mike Kosicki. Sorry, Zach, but he's getting stopped by Justin Bethel. Maybe they should give the ball to Cole Strange more. Yeah, maybe. Um, real quick before we go to the game, I did want to say this on the defense. Javon Holland on PFF, they said today, actually ran was in the box 35% of the snaps, which is more, I think he set a career high last week for the amount of snaps he took in the box, and I think he just surpassed it again. And he... I like him in the role. They're still, I've probably been one of the more critical people of Javon Holland. I do like him, but I think the hype and the production just aren't, don't match each other yet. But seeing him last night, I saw him, he, he made a great stop on third down where I, th- that basically kicked the, got the Patriots out of field goal range out of trying to go for a fourth down. I saw him making, being very disruptive, shooting, shooting gaps. So I like him in that role and it, I can't wait to see him and, him and um, Brandon Jones basically alternate. And I also think Deshaun Elliott's been doing really good as that deep safety. Yeah, I think our defense uh, was definitely better last, or this week than it was last week, and it's going to continue to improve. Uh, I feel like the only time Mac Jones and the Patriots really got to do anything is when they were throwing at Eli Apple. Uh, yep. Other than that, I mean, it's funny. I turned and I said last night, imagine, just think, if you could, in a hypothetical universe, replace a guy like Eli Apple with a guy like Jalen Ramsey. And imagine if you, if, and that guy's sitting on our sideline. And then imagine if behind him, just in case something happened to Ramsey again, you're adding a guy back like Nick Needham even sooner. Um, so I look for uh, Eli Apple probably um, midway through the season, no longer to be playing um, moments like this and maybe even not even be on the team uh, if you can see a guy like Cam Smith make a couple more strides. Personally, if we're going to go out there and we're going to see Eli Apple getting burned and giving up big catches, I'd rather just see Cam Smith out there. I'd rather see Cam Smith burned. I'd rather see Cam Smith go through the ropes of being a rookie corner, um, knowing that our offense is going to be able to score, overseeing Eli Apple do what he's doing. That's, yeah, that's I, just me personally. I don't know if you agree. I do. Uh, the The big knock on Cam Smith coming out of South Carolina was that he tends to gamble a lot. And we saw that in the preseason against Jacksonville. He bites, and that's, that is an issue for young corners. But Eli Apple, 
know what you're going to get. It's not overly good. He let Devontae Parker body him too often. I saw, I saw one too many quick screens out to the receiver he was on, and he just couldn't make the one-on-one tackle, uh, which was unacceptable to me. So I do agree. I, if Needham and Ramsey aren't ready yet, I would definitely prefer to see Smith get a little bit of run out there because the upside is just higher, even if the downside is lower. Um, other than that, I think the game it was a typical Patriots game. It was a lot like the 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 uh, Philadelphia Eagles game last week where the Eagles were clearly the better team. I thought we were clearly the better team this week. Um, just last, last week, it was more mistakes by the Eagles that just kept the Patriots in. This one, I think we just got lulled into a sen- false sense of security, just kind of started playing looser. But we just weren't getting the same breaks. But I don't know how anybody can come out of that game saying, even though it was only 24-17, that the Patriots are anywhere near us when it comes to competing. No, not at all. And in the famous words of Bill Belichick, we're on to the Broncos. I think if you look at the Dolphins' schedule now, after, and I know we talked about this before the show, um, if you look at our schedule and the way it sets up, now you start getting into some games that you should win. Play the Broncos at home Sunday. You should win that game. The Broncos are 0-2. They've had two tough games. One week one that they fell apart in the second half. One week two that they fell apart in the second half and then almost came back and then had a controversial call at the end. Um, but it's a game you should win. Then you go to Buffalo, which is going to be a huge game, obviously. Um, and yes, you never want to lose um, a divisional game. Uh, but looking at the way the schedule shakes out, I mean, it's one that as long as you hang in the game and really put up a good fight, um, I think we have a good shot. Then you play the Giants and the Panthers. You're looking at a, at a possibility that we're 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh, uh, going into Sunday Night Football in Philly, which is a great place to be. And then after that Philly game, you have three straight home games, rematch with the Patriots, the Chiefs in Germany, not a road game, uh, and then you play the Raiders. So, And then our schedule really lightens up. So playing two straight games on the road to open the season in the NFL, that's always worrisome. Uh, but if you start looking ahead, the Dolphins stay healthy. Hey, we might we might be talking about a home playoff game. Yeah, and we should be getting healthier. It's the thing I saw people last night kind of disappointed with what the final score was. Not only are we two and zero on the road with both games on the road. Armstead hasn't played a snap yet. Jalen Ramsey hasn't played a snap yet. Jeff Wilson hasn't played a snap yet. Nick Needham hasn't played a snap yet, and Jalen Phillips missed last night's game. So in theory, we're going to get a lot of pieces back. Now, hopefully Waddle gets healthy too and doesn't miss any time, knock on wood. But it is, there's no reason to be negative. There are some things to be a little concerned about, but there's no reason to be negative going in to this weekend's game against Denver or even going forward. And of course, we will talk about Denver later this week because that is quite the interesting matchup. Uh, long story short, what I can say here, and Jordan, you probably agree with me, we should win that game, no issue. Yeah, we definitely should win the game. Uh, I think we should first and foremost, no matter who we're playing, we should win the game because it's a good football team and it's our home opener. Uh, those two things put together um, usually uh, mean success. 
Uh, the Hard Rock Stadium should be rocking. I don't see a lineup uh, in Vegas. I assume that's because they're waiting to see what's going on with Waddle. Um, but either way, I expect the Dolphins to be somewhere in the five-and-a-half-point favorite range, if I had to guess. Um, more would be a little surprising. Less would be a little insulting. Um, I'm seeing if while I'm ad-libbing here, I could find it. Uh, I have the Dolphins at six-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, I was um, going to say this morning, I thought I heard them say that the Dolphins were seven-point favorites. but with Yeah, so it's six-and-a-half right now is what I see. Um, and, that, and we're about six-and-a-half points better than them. Um, I don't see any way the Dolphins should lose the game um, if we play our game. Uh, I think that not having Waddle, if we don't, um, will allow other guys to, to play well. Um, it will allow other guys to get targets. Uh, if they just put Sertan on uh, Tyreek, it'll be interesting to see how we spread the ball out. Um, but we'll talk about that later in the week. Uh, but to go back to what you asked me, uh, yes, it's a game we should win. We should, should, it's the NFL, anything could happen, be 3-0 and going to Buffalo. Right. And like I said, later in this week, we will preview that as well as make more picks, which for those keeping score, Jordan is whooping my ass right now. In, in our picks, but again, we'll talk about that later this week. Now it's time to add a new member. Well, add new members to the list because Jordan, I'll give you a little story time. We were talking, and originally we were just going to put Dave Portnoy on the list, president of Barstool Sports, big Patriots homer, really annoying trash talker, which is fine. He can be a trash talker, uh, but he whined a lot, didn't talk during the game, and then as soon as, soon as Tua throws an interception, he then decides to tweet out trash talking. I can't stand a front runner, and he is a front runner. And then what made it worse is, I don't know if you saw this, on Barstool Sports, he actually said how us winning with Hill and Waddle not having a big game is actually a loss for a Miami and a win for the Patriots. Well, right. I, don't under- I, I don't understand that logic because there was something that one of the, I forgot who it was that was on the panel uh, that six of the nine of them chose the Patriots to win the game, throwing that out there on NBC before the game. Didn't miss that one. Um, but there was something one of them said about how the Patriots are going to try to take Waddle and Tyreek out of the game. First of all, do you think ever since in the last two years that the Miami Dolphins have had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and anybody's gone into the game just saying, we're going to let them do what they want and worry about everything else. No. So first of all, stupid comment. Second of all, we're a multidimensional offense. We're a lot different than we were last year. And I touched on this last week. We're a lot more physical of a football team than people are giving us credit for. I think speed is sometimes like not put together with the ability to do different things. I think people see speed teams, uh, they correlate it to finesse. And I don't think it's don't really... Think about strength. Exactly. The Dolphins, while being a fast football team, are a very physical team right now. And again, we haven't had Teron Armstead. We haven't had Jalen Ramsey. We haven't had Nick Needham. We barely had Brandon Jones. We've barely had Jalen Phillips. All physical football players. And this team, hopefully, the hope, is that they peak at the right time because I don't think we've seen the best iteration of what this Miami Dolphins team can be. 
Um, and I think we're going to see them get better throughout the early part of the season um, with physicality. And I think teams, if you could ask them behind closed doors, after they're done playing us, I think there are a lot of teams that are going to say, wow, we didn't realize how physical they were. We didn't realize how hard that defense hits. We didn't realize how hard that offensive line pushes. We didn't, un- we didn't understand those tight ends, Alec Ingold, guys that, that are physical right at the line of scrimmage. There's a reason Mostert was untouched on that touchdown. There was a reason yep. Mostert, that, that little formation, that wham formation, where you have Ingold coming across and cutting right upfield the block. I mean, teams are going to have to start figuring that out. And once they start figuring it out is when you're going to start seeing Tua pull the ball and hit. You'll have a little tight end crossing right over the middle. I'm sure. I am 100% sure that the Dolphins are going to run that at some point this season. They're going to send the guy over in motion. They're going to send him right over the guard, looking right like that wham run play. And two is going to pull it back and hit a tight end wide open right in the middle of the end zone. You can clip this, and when it happens later in the season, I want to come back and see it. But the ability to run the ball and the ability to be physical is what's going to help the Miami Dolphins win in January. Yeah. Yeah. And just to go along with that, the bad takes just continue. Again, it's a rivalry game. I don't mind if people want to talk trash. But as I said last week, Jordan, don't say stupid shit. You have Portnoy saying, Portnoy saying the stupid shit. Ben Volan, who used to be a, a beat writer for the Dolphins, been with the Patriots, was a huge fan of Tua going in the draft. Going on two years of just a straight-up hate boner for Tua. No other way to say it, but it just downplays everything he does and just says, oh, Tua gets the most, most yak in the NFL. Tua gets the most yak. It's all yak. Uh, you also have another sports caster up in the New England area, Andy Hart, who said the only difference between Mac Jones and Tua is Tua's wide receivers can take a five-yard pass and then take it the distance. Again, yes, Tua had a lot of yak last night, but the stats are out there. Tua has some of the lowest yards after catch in the NFL last year. It's not all that. It's him making great throws. Then you also have another New England uh, writer, Andrew Callahan, saying the Dolphins had almost no shot because Armstead and Phillips were out. Armstead was out last week against a really good off- uh, defensive line. Kendall Land stepped up. Oh, wasn't an issue. Van Ginkle. People should know him because even if he hasn't been a every every game starter, he always makes big plays. Not a lot of respect there. Two online accounts that our boy Dolphins receipt called out Savage Sports and Men at Work, who like to consider themselves New England journalists, talked so much trash this week. Again, don't mind if you talk trash, but don't whine after the game. They whined about how the refs screwed them over. And I hate hearing that, especially from a New England fan. And I'm going on a little rant right now because this is all Boston sports. Boston sports fans are so whiny. Like, yes, I hate the Jets fans more than any other fan in our division, but Boston sports fans, man, they will talk trash to us against the world every week. Every week. They will rub it in your face. But then what happens as soon as they lose, it is everybody else's fault. It's not that they got outplayed. Then you add... Patriots starting defensive end Dietrich Rice saying two is a good QB. Thanks for the thanks for that, Mr. Weiss. But then you say he didn't do anything special against us. Again, do not talk shit after you lose. Was this two his best game? No. But was he bad? No. And again, he had one, two, maybe even three moments of greatness, which you have to give it up to. 
Then you have another sport, Boston sports homer and Kevin Wilde on pardon my take this morning, or actually first things first, not pardon my take. And he said, this is a bigger moral victory for the Pats that they only lost by seven to the Dolphins than the Dolphins winning. Again, as a Dolphins fan, we know all about moral victories. They suck and don't mean anything. And then finally, Kenny Chesney ran that, rang that stupid bell last night before, before the game. So I am not just putting one person on this list. I am putting all New England and Boston sports fans and writers on this list because all they've done the last week is piss me off, and it just went even more in the last 24 hours. So I made an executive decision, and I'm putting them all on the list. They're all on the list. And pointing out to Dietrich Weiss, like, two is 5-0 and oh against you. You should be on the list forever, but I'm at least putting you on the list until you beat Tua one time. Dietrich Weiss, I don't care what team you go to. After the Patriots, I don't care what teams you play for for the rest of your career in the NFL. You will never beat Tua. Not once. You won't beat Tua at a game of checkers at a hotel after Tua's retired. You will never beat Tua at anything ever for the rest of your life. You just made the list. They definitely all made the list. And I could say more, but I am holding back because I am heated right now because I just hate New England and Boston sports. Just hate it. There's not one team that they have in any sport that I will root for or say a good thing about. <sighs> anyway, get the positive vibes going again. I think that's it for this show. We will be back later this week to preview the Broncos game, and Jordan will continue to whoop my ass in picks. Jordan, before we sign off, did you have anything else you wanted to add today? Did you just say the good vibes are coming because we're done talking? No, it's because I'm done ranting. Oh, okay. Um, thank you to Zach for doing everything he does behind the scenes. Uh, thank you to the people that run our social media. Uh, like I say every week, this is fun. Uh, I really enjoy doing this with you. Uh, and I look forward to making picks later in the week and seeing the Dolphins hopefully get another win on Sunday. Oh, and before, one last thing I just thought of. Shout out to our boy Silver for getting us our new podcast uh, logo, but also our new mascot, Listy. So everybody should definitely check that out. Yeah, that, that came out better than imagined. Silver, shout out to you. Great job. Yep. For Jordan, I'm Brett. Remember, we are the list and we are watching. Zach, hit that music. <laughs> 